Well, guys, let's dive into our message today from 1 Peter. So over the summer, we have been studying through the, the letter of 1 Peter, and today we're going to be in chapter 2, uh, in verse 11. We'll pick up where Corey left off for us last week. And we have seen um, that through Jesus, we have grace and mercy and salvation. And as Corey shared with us last week, we also have a new identity in Jesus. We've seen that the prophets and the preachers have pointed to this grace. And now we live as exiles, as foreigners, uh, because of this grace. This is not our home. We are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, a people who are of God's possession because of the grace that he has shown us through Jesus. And that grace calls us, as we saw, to love one another sincerely and deeply because we are living stones being built together on our foundation who is Jesus. Well, this morning, Peter is going to remind us to live as exiles and foreigners. And then Peter's going to start giving us some practical how-tos of how to live as exiles and foreigners. As we follow Jesus, we are called to live different than the rest of the world. We are called to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven, not just citizens of the country that we live in. Now, many of you guys know I'm a pretty big Tar Heel fan. I have many Tar Heel shirts. I have many Tar Heel collectibles in my office. I've been to many games. I've watched many games. I've been to the Smith Center on a number of different occasions and watched the Heels play. I am a big Carolina fan. <laughs> but you know what? Me being a fan of the Tar Heels doesn't transform my identity. Me being a Tar Heel fan doesn't transform my eternity. In fact, this kind of hurts me to say, but you can be a Duke fan and still be transformed by Jesus. It's hard work, ain't it, right, David? But I'm just pointing. Just I want for effect, those Duke fans, Joel, I just want to make sure that they, they get that. Look, you could, you, it, it doesn't transform our eternity, who we root for, who we are fans of. Peter calls us to live as exiles and foreigners because we are followers of Jesus. And exile living isn't fan living. But I think in our culture, we have mixed this up some. You see, we think that following Jesus means that we are called to the stadium to watch worship happen. Worship is an event that we show up for on Sunday morning. We mistake the church as being a building that we go to, uh, to to watch worship take place. But worship should be our new way of living because of who we are in Jesus. Worship is our new way of living, and the church is who we are as God's people we are redeemed and we have been remade by Jesus. And those two things go hand in hand. Because if we only change our actions, 
If we are only concerned about the morality of this, then we become Pharisees. Only concerned about the outside while the inside is still unchanged. But what we have seen so far in 1 Peter is that when our our minds and our hearts are being changed by who Jesus is and what he has done for us, then our actions and our words and our living come out of that, and they will be changed. They will be changed. But we are not just here to be fans. We are called to be followers of Jesus. Jesus is our Savior. This is the first step. But this isn't the last step. Our salvation not only changes and transforms our eternity, but our salvation changes and transforms who we are here and now. The way that we think, the way that we speak, and the way that we live. We have been bought, we have been cleansed, we have been fixed, and we have been repurposed by Jesus. And once we have repented of our sins and met Jesus in baptism, we then are to follow his example because we have been saved by God's grace. And again, as we've seen through 1 Peter, it's not the other way around. We don't work really hard to earn God's grace. We are given God's grace freely, but then our lives begin to transform because we have been saved, not in order to be saved. This is how we are to be the church. So, If you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to 1 Peter chapter 2. If you're looking for 1 Peter, it's almost at the very back of your Bible. It comes right after the book of James and right before 2 Peter. If you get to 1, 2, and 3 John, you've you've gone too far. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 is where we're going to be at today. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table. We'd love to give you a copy of one today. But read along with me there in verse 11. Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day that he visits. So Peter here uses these terms, foreigners and exiles, again. Now, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, you saw as we began this letter of 1 Peter that he used these same titles. And we talked about how the people that Peter was originally writing to weren't foreigners and exiles because of the land that they were living in. Most likely, they were living in the land that was of their native birth. And yet, Peter calls them foreigners and exiles because... They have been transformed, not because of their nationality, but because of their new identity in Jesus. They aren't a holy nation because of where they were born. They are a holy nation because of they have been reborn in Jesus. And if you'll remember from last week in verse 9, he says, But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who has called you out of the darkness and into his light, his wonderful light. These you are statements that Corey pointed out to us last week, these you are statements are are about who we are now in Jesus, our new identity. 
And, and up until this point, Peter has really been laying out for us the why. Why are we to live as foreigners and exiles? Why are we to live as citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Why are we to live in this new identity that we have in Jesus? But from here on out, Peter is really going to get down to the nuts and bolts of things and give us some practical how-tos, how to live in this new identity, what it will look like and what it should look like for us to be followers of Jesus, what it should look like for us to be new and repurposed and cleansed by Jesus. But from here on out, Peter will give us much more of the how-tos of exile living. But verses 11 and 12 here, these verses that we just looked at, will become a theme for the rest of Peter's letter. This is what it looks like to live as foreigners and exiles, as aliens and strangers. This is what it looks like to live as followers of Jesus, even though the world lives completely different. This is what it looks like because we are new in Jesus. We are citizens of God's kingdom. This is what it should look like. We should have this new home in the kingdom of God. Peter says, because we have been made new, in Jesus, we are to abstain, literally to hold back. We are to, to keep off of, we are to do away with the sinful desires, abstain from the sinful desires, the fleshly lust, which wage war against our souls, is what Peter tells us. Friends, we are at war. But it's not against another country. It's not against terrorism. They aren't our adversaries. Our enemy is our former way of life. That is what is waging war within us. Our old owners of sin and death are trying to come back and take ownership of who we are. But we have been made new in Jesus, and so we must abstain from the fleshly lusts that wage war against our souls. Our former owners, sin and death, led by the roaring lion that we will see in the next couple of weeks, who is the devil. We are at war daily with our former way of life, with our old identity. We are at war daily with our sinful desires. We are at war daily with our flesh. We are at war within our community, within our church, within our families. And we are at war within ourselves. Our old owners are trying to come back and buy us back. To bring us back to what we knew. And to take us back to who we were. Peter says, abstain. Fight off the old way of living. Because you have been bought and cleansed and fixed and repurposed by the blood of Jesus. So abstain from these things. You are being built together as we have seen as living stones on Jesus who is our foundation. We are the church, not a building, but we are the dwelling place of the Spirit of God we are his sanctuary. We are God's people, not built by human hands, but transformed by the blood of Jesus. So abstain from the sinful desires, the fleshly lusts. And he says, keep your behavior excellent among those who are far from Jesus. 
Now, I'm going to take you back a couple of weeks, but if you'll remember when we first started 1 Peter, we said that these believers that Peter was writing to, many of them were facing persecution and, and even death simply because they were following Jesus. And Peter says, keep your behavior excellent among those who are persecuting you. So that even though they accuse you of doing wrong, because of your good deeds may bring glory to God. What kind of self-restraint would these believers have had to have? He says, keep your behavior excellent, not so that you are glorified, He says, keep your behavior excellent, not even so that you can avoid punishment. He says, keep your behavior excellent so that when Jesus returns, they may possibly, those who accuse you of doing wrong, may possibly bring glory to God. This is why we are to abstain from our old owners. This is why we are to keep our behavior excellent. So that others, when they see the way that we live and they see how much Jesus has changed us, they may bring glory to God. Not that we are perfect, but they see the transformation that has taken place that they bring glory to God. So that they will put their faith and their trust in Jesus. And so that they too will come to know Jesus as their Lord and as their Savior. Now here at Journey Church, we say it like this. We say that we all go out and build authentic relationships with the lost in our community and around the world to communicate the gospel of Jesus in relevant and innovative ways that everyone can understand. And one of the most powerful ways that we are able to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus, to, in ways that people will understand around us is for them to see our transformed lives lived out in front of them. So Peter says, keep your behavior excellent, so that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may, because of your good deeds, bring glory to God. Friends, our lives are one of the ways that we preach the gospel. Now, this shouldn't be the only way. We should also use our words and tell them the good news about Jesus. But our lives should also preach the gospel to them because we are to live as foreigners and exiles to lead people to Jesus with our lives and with our words. We, as a church, we want to help everyone discover their relationship with Jesus. In fact, this is what Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 5, in verse 16. He said, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus says, let your light shine, not so that people bring you praise. Jesus says, let your light shine, not so that you get the recognition. He says, let your light shine so that God may get the praise. Peter tells us to keep our behavior excellent. Jesus says, let your light shine. Friends, we should live as foreigners and exiles even in our own country because we are not just citizens of the United States, but we are citizens of the kingdom of God. 
And our citizenship in God's kingdom takes priority over everything else because of who we are in Jesus. So, Peter begins to give us some practical things in the next verse. Look at verse 13 with us. Peter says, Submit yourselves to the, for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether the emperor as a supreme authority or to his governors, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and, command, and condemn those who do right. And commend those who do right, sorry. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Let's pause there for just a moment. So Peter says here to submit yourselves to the emperor. Again, I'm going to take you back to when we started 1 Peter. If you'll remember who the emperor was at this time. He was Nero. He was the one who was having Christians persecuted and killed. He was the one who was falsely accusing them of setting all of Rome on fire. And so Peter says, submit yourselves to that guy for the Lord's sake. And I think sometimes we read this and we think, man, I've got to submit to that guy who's in office that I don't like and that I didn't vote for. But I don't know if you fully grasp what Peter is saying. Because we don't face the same types of persecutions as what these early believers were facing and even what our brothers and our sisters are facing around the world. In fact, our brothers and sisters around the world face death on a daily basis because they follow Jesus. I'm reminded of our brother Karna, who's in the region of Bhutan. And he's a Christian, but the government of Bhutan refuses to issue him a citizen ID. And without this ID, he's unable to work and earn money because he has to have this ID in order to get a job. And he reported that the authorities have confiscated the crops of Christians who don't have this ID because the government in Bhutan knows that these Christians do not have a legal way to protest against them. And even though, even though, uh, Karna has struggled to earn a living in this type of system. He remains faithful to be a witness and evangelist for Jesus. And his prayer is for the salvation of his country more than his own needs. And then I'm reminded of uh, Kay Young, I may be pronouncing his name wrong, Kim, who the day before he turned 19, planned to escape from North Korea. But that day, the security forces raided his house and arrested him. And the raid was a part of an operation that gathered Christians and carried them into prison simply because they were secretly carrying the gospel of Jesus into Korea for many years. And Kim's parents received reports that their son had been sent to a prison camp, and his father has petitioned endlessly to, for his release to no avail, even requesting the UN to intervene and other international organizations. And it's estimated that there are nearly 30,000 believers 
30,000 of our brothers and sisters who are imprisoned in North Korea right now simply because they follow Jesus. So Peter says, abstain from your old life, no matter what it may cost you. He says, keep your behavior excellent, even in the midst of suffering for the name of Jesus. So that those who accuse you, those who imprison you, may because of your good deeds, may bring glory to God. Jesus said, let your light shine so that even though they, they see you and they think that you're doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and bring glory to our Father in heaven. Many, for the Lord's sake, have submitted themselves even to oppressive human authorities so that God is glorified through them. So that through their good deeds, even though they are accused of doing wrong, they hope that one day God will be glorified. And that even their accusers will turn to Jesus. And then Peter really sums up this whole section in verse 17. He says, show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. And honor the emperor. This should sum up our relationships with other people. This should sum up our relationships with our government. Honor all people. Love one another. Be in fear of God and honor our leaders. Do so with honor and love. Keep your behavior excellent. So that when others see our transformed lives, so that when others see our light shining, so that when others see our good deeds, though they may accuse us of doing wrong, may bring glory to God in the day of his return. This should sum up our lives as it comes to relating to those who are outside of us in our relationships with others. And then Peter continues in verse 18. He says, Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is, it that, uh, how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you are to suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. This is commendable before God. Now throughout the years, especially in our country, these verses and some others have been twisted to try to somehow justify the atrocities of slavery. N.T. Wright speaks on these verses and he says, In the ancient world, the time that Peter was writing, more or less everything that is done today by electricity or gas or engines was done by slaves. The majority of the people that Peter was writing to would have been slaves. Nearly two-thirds of the population of that time 
were. Quite a few Christians were slaves. And as you might expect, as we have experienced our own selves, that the gospel grants uh, through Jesus dignity and self-worth for those who believe it. Peter addresses these Christian slaves, telling them, uh, excuse me, instead of telling them as we might prefer that they should rise up and revolt against their masters, he tells them to obey and show respect, not only when their masters in question are kind and fair-minded, but also when they are unjust. Now, putting up with unjust suffering looks to us very much like conspiring with wickedness. And and there have been many violent households and and abusive workplaces. And as we have seen in our history past, the atrocities of slavery, the people have been able to continue to do in wickedness because people were afraid to speak out. Instead, they would rather just keep their heads down and put up with the abuse. And if it hadn't been um, at many different points in history for followers of Jesus speaking out and standing up for, these abuses may still go on. Because oftentimes blowing the whistle could cost people their jobs, their homes, and even in extreme cases, their life. But that's not Peter's point here. Peter isn't saying that we should not speak out against atrocities, that we should not speak out against any of these types of evil. But Peter is trying to give us a deeper truth behind this moral dilemma. Peter is not somehow justifying slavery as people have twisted these verses to mean. But rather, Peter invites followers of Jesus to occupy Jesus' extraordinary story and to embrace it as their own. Having been healed and rescued by those events that were unjust, and to make them a pattern in our own life as well. And the key to understanding these verses that Peter is talking about comes through the crucifixion of Jesus. The crucifixion of Jesus was the most unjust and wicked act that the world had ever seen. Here is a man who deserved nothing but praise and gratitude, and yet received nothing but rejection, beatings, and being killed. Jesus is the Messiah, and hence the world's Lord, and he alone can represent all others. He alone can completely and appropriately stand in the gap for them. Peter isn't simply recommending that people remain passive while suffering is going on. He is urging them to realize that somehow, strangely, the sufferings of the Messiah are not just a means by which we ourselves are rescued from our own sin. They are a means in which we extend through our life of his people, which the world itself may be brought to a new place because we endure suffering as our Savior has done. And then Peter tells us, Exactly this in the next verse, in verse 21. He says, to this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Jesus has set the example for us. 
that we are to follow in His steps. And this would have spoke volumes to not only these believers who were slaves, but also the believers who were suffering persecution. And to know that the sufferings that they were going through, that their Lord and Savior had also gone through. This would have spoke volumes to them, and it should to us as well. Now here at Journey Church, we say this. We say that we follow the example of Jesus who sacrificed for the needy, the hurting, and the lost. And this is how we put our faith into action. By mobilizing to help our community and our world, even when it calls for us to sacrifice and to suffer to care for their needs over our own. You see, the crucifixion of Jesus not only is the means by which we receive God's grace, but is also the example for us to follow that we should suffer and sacrifice to put the needs of others above our own, as Jesus has done for us. Peter continues in the next verse, verse 22, talking about Jesus and the example that he has left for us. He says, He committed no sin, no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus, the only innocent man, Jesus, not because he had committed any sins. Jesus, who was falsely accused, was spit upon, was beat, was yelled at, was cursed at, humbly took all of it without retaliation, without striking back. He quietly received the punishment that you and I deserve on himself so that through his death, you and I might have life. By his wounds, we have been healed. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, you, he says, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely would anybody die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. How much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Jesus took our punishment. He took the death that you and I deserve on himself, and he gave us life. And so, we are to live as exiles and foreigners. We are to follow the example of Jesus, who is our foundation. And this is the example that he has given us. He sacrificed and suffered to put our needs above his own. At just the right time, while we were still sinners, he died for you 
and for me. So that we could follow in His example. And sacrifice. And suffer for others. As He has done for us. And then Peter closes out this chapter with these words. For you like sheep have gone astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. Friends, there are many of us who at different points in our life that these words have been descriptive of, that have gone astray. And I know that for some of us, we have returned to the chief shepherd and overseer of our soul, and I know for others, there's some that haven't. We are like sheep and we wander from our shepherd and our protector. We have like sheep wandered from the caretaker of our soul, Jesus. And so he invites us. Because maybe today you've allowed that former owner of yours, of sin, to take back ownership in some areas in your life. And maybe there's some areas that, that you have wandered astray from Jesus who is our shepherd. Won't you fight? Won't you abstain? Won't you put away that war that is waging within your flesh and return to Jesus today? But maybe you're here and you have never returned to Jesus. Maybe you have never even heard about Jesus and believed in him until today. I want you to know that Jesus at just the right time died for you and for me. So that you could receive the grace of Jesus. And he's calling you today to come and repent of your sins. And to meet him in baptism. And to return to the shepherd of your soul who is Jesus he died taking your place and he's calling you to come today so that you can begin living as a royal priesthood a holy nation a people of God's own possession church let's live as foreigners and exiles let's let our light shine Let's let our deeds be lived out so people can see the gospel in and through us. Not that we are perfect, but that we have been transformed. Let our behavior be excellent. So that though they accuse us of doing wrong, they may, because of our good deeds, glorify our Father in heaven who is in heaven. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the example of your son Jesus. We thank you for the sacrifice that he has made for us. We thank you that we have the opportunity to even return to him. Because, as Peter told us, we are like sheep and we wander far too often. Because of this war that is waging within us, us fight against the flesh, we, we find ourselves so often as Paul did. 
doing the very things that we know that we ought not to do and the things that we want to do, we can't. So Father, help us to abstain from the fleshly lusts, the sinful desires, so that we can keep our behavior excellent, so that we can show the gospel through our lives to our co-workers and our friends and our family and our neighbors so that they may see our good deeds and bring glory to God even, even, even if it means that we have to suffer for it. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this country that we live in, the freedoms that we have. And we celebrate its birth this week and we are thankful that we don't have the fear that our brothers and sisters have right now. The fear of possibly even losing our life simply for following you. So Father, help us not to take this freedom for granted, but help us to, to use this freedom as an opportunity to be your witnesses. Because we have many friends and many family who are far from you. And help us to use this opportunity to bring you glory. Father, we thank you for your son Jesus. And we thank you that while we were still your enemies, you demonstrated your love for us in sending him for us. By his wounds, we have been healed. By his sacrifice, we have been forgiven. And so through his name, we praise you this morning. And Father, we ask all of this in his name.